Our scripture this morning comes from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughters, uh, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Uh, They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and this uh, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Thank you, God, for the reading of your word. Thank you, Brian, for for reading. Hey, faith family, uh, both in person and online, so good to be with you. You know, I think about the first time I ran out of gas. I was in high school on a date. (laughs) Never had a second date with that girl. Okay. Uh, Today is the fourth and final Sunday in our series, Walk in God's Wisdom. God is a giver of wisdom, and we are receivers, learners of wisdom. Let's pray about that, shall we? Holy God, you are all-knowing and wise. Teach us your ways. We seek your wisdom and insight. Give us knowledge and understanding. Pour out your wisdom upon us so we can walk in the path you lay before us, knowing right from wrong, guarding ourselves against temptation and deceit. Fill us with your word, O Lord, so we may walk on the straight and narrow path, faithfully following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, did you know there are more than 10,000 bird species in the world, and about 250 of them belong to a certain group, a kind of uh, a bird, 
And we often associate the, this, these kinds of birds uh, with wisdom. And so that kind of bird would be the owl, owl right? You know, lately we've been hearing uh, an owl hooting in our neighborhood at night. I can't do it. But anyway, yesterday morning, I, I was, you know, it was maybe 7, 7.30, and I was, I was in my office at the, at the house and working, and I, I heard it again. I thought, well, there's a little bit of light out. So I grabbed my binoculars, and I looked out. And it took me a while, but I was able to spy it. It was about a half a block away, sitting up in a tree. And, uh, you know, the light was still kind of dim, so all I could make out was the outline. But it was, it was a kind of a large bird. It had these tufts up like this. So I, I knew uh, that it was the great horned owl, which is very common. And... Uh, Anyway, uh, and then I watched as it took off from that tree and soared kind of in my direction and then landed to a, kind of toward a neighbor's house. Um, anyway, I just finished reading a book on bird intelligence and uh, learned that owls, though, may not be the wisest birds in the aviary. And I'm not sure what actually would constitute wisdom in a bird, but in terms of ingenuity, crows surpass owls. And when it comes to adapting to various environments, sparrows are way better. And if you're looking for dedication, who can beat the emperor penguin? They have to keep the eggs from freezing in Antarctica. I'm guessing that we associate owls with wisdom because they remind us of older people. You think? I don't know. Uh, children's stories often refer to them as a wise old owl. Never any young owls in a children's story. <laughs> Hopefully we do get a little wiser with each passing year, but it's not automatic. Depends on the choices we make. It depends on how we learn. Today we're going to look at finishing wisely. Israel's King Solomon in the 10th century B.C. did not finish wisely. Now, I kind of find that a little bit surprising because when he was a young king, he prayed for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom, and Solomon was famous for being wise. But as the years went on, not so much. Let's open our Bibles. Take a look at this. 1 Kings chapter 11 uh, and before we walk through this passage, I want to take a minute to review a little bit of Solomon's history. He builds a temple for the Lord, as his father David had instructed him to do. And after the dedication ceremony of the temple, the Lord appears to Solomon in a dream. And God gives Solomon the choice between two ifs. If you stay faithful and obey my commands, I will give you a dynasty that never ends. But if you or your descendants turn away from me and do not observe my commands and instead worship and serve other gods, then Israel will be sent out of the land and the temple will be reduced to rubble. Two pretty big ifs. It's either this if or that if. The choice is up to you. 
Now we're ready for chapter 11, verse 1. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. That was the one he married early on. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. You know, this is exactly what God told the Israelites not to do. As, it says, as we'll find out in verse 2, and this command is not about national pride. It's not about racial prejudice. It's about guarding their hearts against idolatry. Verse 2, they were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. See that in love? Now let me ask you, was the love Solomon had for these women expressing genuine and personal affection and commitment? Well, let's look at verse 3. He had 700 wives of royal birth, so they were princesses of all these other countries, and 300 concubines. How could he have genuine personal affection and commitment for 1,000 women? I mean, they were not really his wives in the way that we think of husbands and wives. Uh, this was his harem. This was his royal brothel. Now, I've got three things to say to you today, and here's the first one. Solomon failed to finish wisely because of his sexual obsession. You know, I read a story like this, and I wonder, where did all these women stay? Was there a large wife dormitory? Uh, did they all eat together in the harem cafeteria? Were there jealousies among them like in The Bachelor? Was there a pecking order of wives? One aspect of sexual obsession is the appetite for novelty. And for Solomon, it was his desire for one woman after another. Sexual obsession uh, affects many people today, and it's not just a young man's problem. It affects young and old alike, and including women, though in lesser numbers. Today, one in three church-going Protestant men, let me repeat, one in three church-going Protestant men report having watched at least one pornographic video in the last year. And for many, it's more often than that. Since the advent of the Internet, I've helped a number of men dealing with an online porn problem. And usually it happens after their wives discover what's been going on. I want you to know that there is help for you. There is hope. There are 12-step uh, recovery groups that are effective for people who really invest in them. I will be part of your network if you, of support if you want me to. You will need God's help, and he will help you. Now, make no mistake, a porn habit will cost you dearly. It poisons your mind. It poisons your relationships, poisons your marriage, 
And as a lot of addictive behavior does, it blinds you from seeing the damage that it's doing. And, and we, it brings on denial, and we tell ourselves, well, you're not really hurting anybody. Now, in this area of his life, Solomon failed to finish wisely. And, and what was the result of that for Solomon? In verse 3, it ends, and his wives led him astray. Now, I want to be clear that I don't think the writer here is blaming his wives. I mean, they were raised in, in cultures outside of Israel where they, the people worshipped nature gods. So the fault here lies with the king. Solomon, Solomon foolishly brought idolatry into his home. Solomon failed to finish wisely because his heart turned to other gods. As verse 4 describes it, as Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of, his, of David his father had been. And then verses 5 through 8 list some of the various gods worshipped by Solomon and his wives. And, and you know, the, the practice of the worship of these gods um, involved many times kind of a ritual prostitution and in some cases involved child sacrifice. And, and in verses 9 and 10, we hear about the Lord's anger over Solomon's behavior. And then in verse 11, we learn about the consequences. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Now, here's how I understand God's judgment. God's judgment is both personal and natural. That is, God is displeased with Solomon's behavior, his idolatry. But the specific judgment re reflects the natural consequence of his actions. You see, our sins carry their own consequences. And whether we're willing to admit it or not, sooner or later we're going to face some of those consequences. Now, I don't believe that Solomon really thought he had turned his back on the Lord. He was still worshiping uh, the Lord his God, the, the Yahweh. Uh, the problem is that he tried also to worship idols and the Lord at the same time. And God says, that's not a compromise I can be happy with. Today, we call that syncretism. It's the merging of different faiths so that it's not really the same anymore. And, you know, it's a danger in every generation and every culture, syncretism, including ours. Uh, for example, in our culture, we tend to believe that whatever you feel is right. Our culture says that your feelings are the best guide to what is true. Your desires overrule everything else. But you know, that's not a belief taught in the Bible. It's not a belief that Jesus uh, taught us. 
Uh, and it, but it's still, it's so easy, it's so natural for us that we tend to weave that belief into our belief in Christ. And that is a dangerous thing to do because while our feelings are important and we need to be aware of and learn, uh, listen to our feelings, they are not the standard of truth. You know, the message of our hearts is not that reliable. 1 John 3.20 says, God is greater than our hearts. Now, Solomon may may have believed that uh, having hundreds of wives was just an expression of his feelings, his natural desires, you know? And so he may have thought, hey, I can afford it. I can feed them all. What could be wrong? But God had commanded him otherwise. One more thing about Solomon. Solomon's failure to finish wisely brought consequences for him and others. Now, we like to think that our, conse- that our uh, choices aren't hurting anybody but us. But, you know, that's not the case. Never been the case. Our choices affect us, but they also affect others. They ripple out. Verses 12 and 13, the Lord tells Solomon that because of the Lord's love for Solomon's father, King David, he would show a measure of mercy on Solomon. God's judgment would be tempered in two ways. First, the Lord will wait a generation. The kingdom will be torn from Solomon's son and not directly from him. Second, the Lord will not take away the entire kingdom. The Lord will leave Solomon's heir with one tribe to rule. And so this is the consequence. Because Solomon fails to finish wisely, the nation is ripped apart. The northern tribes keep the name of Israel, and the southern tribe of Judah becomes then the nation of Judah retaining Jerusalem as the capital city. When Solomon dies, his son Rehoboam takes the throne. The the northern tribes rebel against his rule, and so God's people then do become two nations. Why? Because of Solomon's disobedience. Deuteronomy 17, 17. God is specifically speaking here to Israel's future kings. It says, he must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. Well, Solomon was guilty on both counts there. He grew his massive wealth. Some say he may have been, in his time, the most wealthy person who ever lived. I don't really know. But he grew his great wealth by taxing the people oppressively. The cost not only to him but to others was enormous. One thing that I keep asking God for, praying for, is that this church not be split apart by the changes coming to our denomination. Almost certainly, uh, later this year, the United Methodist Church will become two or maybe three denominations. Is this God's judgment on United Methodists? I don't know. 
But if it is, it's, it's, it's a judgment that seems to me to be inevitable now. The presenting issue is whether to hold same-sex weddings and have clergy and same-sex relationships. But, of course, the other underlying difference has to do with how we understand and apply Scripture. Now, I want you to know I did not want this denominational split to happen. I didn't ask for it. But before long, every congregation is going to have to decide which denomination it wants to affiliate with. And, of course, you know, churches always face challenges from time to time. You know, this isn't really anything that new. Uh, some churches have had, I was talking to a guy yesterday, that their churches had conflict over, you know, who's going to be their next pastor. And, and churches have had conflicts over music and, and money. And fortunately, we've been okay on all those kinds of things. Another factor that, that led Israel to split into two nations was that Solomon's son, Rehoboam, was foolish like his father. In Rehoboam's case, he refused to listen to wise counselors. And if you read the book of Proverbs, you see how important it is to listen to wise counsel. And as your pastor, I hope, I don't want to make the mistake that Rehoboam made. And so I began having conversations uh, about the future of our denomination, how it affects us here at Faith Westwood. been talking about that with our church council. Um, you know, I believe there is wisdom represented there. Last month, they asked me to create for them a short online survey for just the 10 of them so that they could take it. And then uh, later this month, I'm going to present the results to them. And we're going to look at it as a way of sort of getting us more in to the conversation and, and what that would look like for our church. I want you to know the results of this will be confidential. It's just for our own discussion. But I would ask that you pray for us. We meet on the third Thursday of February. Pray that God would give us wisdom. Because as, as we have this conversation, this discussion, we hope that we learn something that will help us to know how to bring the conversation to the whole church. Now, do I have convictions and preferences about the question that our United Methodist denomination is facing? Sure, we probably all do. But in the end, it's not my decision. It's yours. And I think it's always important to remember that, first of all, this is Jesus' church. And I fully expect that Faith Westwood will not go the way of Israel in the days of Solomon and his son Rehoboam. I believe that this church will stay together. May God lead us forward in wisdom. And I believe he will. Let's pray. And I invite you to join with me the prayer as it appears on the screen. Holy God, you are all-knowing and wise. Teach us your ways. We seek your wisdom and insight. Give us knowledge and understanding. Pour out your wisdom upon us so we can walk in the path you lay before us, knowing right from wrong, 
guarding ourselves against temptation and deceit. Fill us with your word, O Lord, so we may walk on the straight and narrow path, faithfully following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand.